Hey there, broken salespeople. Welcome to the workshop. My name is Red Staffstrom, and we are here to help you fix your broken sales skills. So today is another interview, and I'm speaking with Steve Super, um, the CEO of Compassionate, uh, Compassionate Credit Repair. Um, like always, I didn't ask a ton of details before he hopped on. Um, I'm learning all of these things as you guys are. So Bear with me if I make a few mistakes, because that's what this is all about, making the mistakes and learning from them. Um, so, Steve, why don't you introduce yourself, um, tell me what you're doing, and let's figure everything out for you. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Steve Super. As you probably gathered by now, I don't have a typical American accent. So, uh, came originally from England 25 years ago. Uh, U.S. citizen, proud to be a U.S. citizen. I love this country. This is my country. So uh, may have the British accent, but proud American. Anyway, to cut a long story short, let me give you a, a couple of minutes back, uh, back chat into how the company was formed and what my background is, because the two run parallel. So uh, my background since I came to this country is... <laughs> I have started a number of financial organizations, companies, and built them up from scratch, where I've recruited huge sales forces and really built out companies from the ground up. Um, and that's what I've done consistently throughout my career. Um, being in the finance industry, as you can imagine, uh, around about circa 2008, things went belly up. And in fact, I went from being... To cut a long story short, I had um, eight houses in Southern California, three beautiful cars, two black credit cards. Life was wonderful. Money was coming out my ears. Uh, that was 2007. And by the end of 2008, as a result of the mortgage disaster, I became homeless. So I went from being very wealthy to extremely poor in a very quick period of time. Um, and I ended up living on the streets. Unfortunately, because I'm from England, I didn't have a support crew around me, no one to help me, it was just down to me. So I figured that I don't want to spend the rest of my life on the streets, I need to get off there, resume my career and get back on track. And the best way of doing that was really to look at my credit, something that I've avoided all of my life. I use the synopsis that if lots of money's coming in, then, hey, why worry about credit scores or anything like that? Because money will always be there. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But it's happened to me a couple of times. It's that the earth lulls us into a false sense of security. Anyway, to get a long story short, I spent close to nine and a half months being homeless. And in those nine and a half months, every day I was at Starbucks. The one thing I had was a laptop. So I go to Starbucks and I studied credit. I figured that was the best option for me. Now, when I started my journey fixing my credit, my credit was at 402. But you didn't even know credit goes that low. I worked in the car business. Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, 10 months later, it was 728. So obviously working out how to build your credit, restore your credit, maintain your credit, these all became critical items in my life. And as I moved forward, I still carried on building other financial companies, but now my main company does credit repair. 
And that's basically the story. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack. And that's <laughs> like, that's one of two like homeless to like business owner CEO stories I really know of. Like when you say homeless, how, cause that kind of like becomes a spectrum. Like were you in your car? Were you like in homeless shelters, like full blown refrigerator box? I, I was, I was in my car. You'll love the irony of this. By the way, my car, and this is why people laugh when I say I was homeless, it was a Mercedes. <laughs> I was homeless in a Mercedes. Yeah. What people didn't know is that Mercedes was nine months behind in a payment. So I had Mercedes looking to get the car back, obviously. Yes. And then I truly would have been homeless. So that was the difference between me and absolute homeless. So, so you're, you were homeless, like, and somebody was looking like basically on the run from somebody trying to take you only you roof you had. You got it. But the, my clothes and everything was in my car. <laughs> As you can imagine, the car was filled up to oh, here with yeah. stuff. It, it, and it's weird. Like when I walk by them and I think people are hoarders and like every so often I'm like, no, they're, that's probably what they have to do. And they're just at stop and shop or the grocery store to, You're right. you know, because that's the only way they could get food that day. But, but just to go back a little bit, um, I didn't, uh, as I said, I didn't have any friends didn't have anyone I could rely on. And it's funny because while I was doing well, I was like the most generous person in the world. Mm-hmm. And of course, when things go badly and you think that people are going to reciprocate, they don't, they yeah. really, they just don't care. And I literally became invisible. So the biggest thing that I learned is if you ask a homeless person, and I do not speak for every homeless person, but if you ask me when I was homeless, what is the thing that I need most? It isn't money. It isn't food. It's actually a shower somewhere that you can clean yourself. And I know that sounds weird. No, that sounds like perfectly because you don't have running water in a Mercedes. You have a lot of other things. but. I used to, every morning, I used to have a, a laugh with people. I used to have a shower in Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with the sink, it's like a mini sponge yeah. bath. You, you, you lock know. the door and, <laughs> no. So anyway, that's the story behind the company. And obviously, since I'm no longer homeless, thank God, yeah. um, my goal has been to treat people with a lot more compassion and caring. Because you know? that's not something people who are down on their luck ever get. And one of the things I say that makes our company different is that you can come to us with a bad credit score. We will never prejudge you. Everybody goes through difficult times. And I'm, a, I'm the exact example of it. So mm-hmm. th- therefore, you get the name Compassionate Credit Review. And especially nowadays when you have things like anxiety and depression, and my wife is one who likes to resort to retail therapy every so often. <laughs> Like, well, like, but that is literally her trying to keep a grip on her mental health. Now, that's it, so it, it, you know, it, it's a problem. It's no different than alcoholism, though. It's just a coping yeah. mechanism. And you can't judge people for forming coping mechanisms when their life is falling apart. You're absolutely right. And actually, it's funny because our YouTube channel that we're building is going to have quite a bit of stuff on mental health. My wife, funnily enough, you talked about your wife. My wife has seven autoimmune diseases. Really? Running through her body. And she's a, 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 she is a, a helper guide, if you like. She has a huge YouTube channel where she talks to the chronically ill and talks to them about coping mechanisms. 
ironically enough. Yeah. So we are also bringing that element into our company because it's not just about getting your credit score right. No. It's about facing whatever is going on around you. And believe me, there's chaos at the moment. You know, it, this is the most frightening time. Certainly, I mean, I'm a lot older than you, but in my generation, I can't remember a time as frightening as, as we can. No, and, and so I, I was born in the mid '80s, but I grew up my, yeah. my my friends what liked punk music and thinking about all the like anarchy movements and all of that, and like no, that 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 was children playing with Legos. <laughs> That's true. That's actually true. <laughs> like Thatcher compared to some of the people out in the world today. I'm not a fan oh. of Thatcher, not to get into politics, but... Yeah, but you yeah. know, I'll tell you something about that. So, I don't know if you know this, do you know Johnny Rotten's been married for yeah. over for 50 years? Yeah. Is it Johnny Johnny Rotten? Yeah, yeah. The, the singer of the Sex Pistols. Was yeah. It Is it Johnny Rotten? Or yeah, Johnny it? Rotten, yeah. Yeah, okay. He's been married for 50 years. How conventional can you be? <laughs> It's a bit frightening, isn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel old too, doesn't yeah. it? Like, like I remember going to my grandparents' fiftieth anniversary and be like, "Wow, that's crazy." Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. But hey, anyway, so that's that's basically the story of the company. And, and I love that you're taking the priority as mental health on this, yes, um, because exactly. too many think of too many people think of money as the goal. And it's not. No, it's not. A good credit score is not the goal. The goal is to not be awake at three o'clock in the morning stressing about your bills. You're absolutely right. Yeah, You're absolutely uh, right. And that's the message that you have to get to people. And that's a tough message to. Is. Money is easy to explain. People understand numbers. They don't understand. It's more difficult to explain feelings. It, it is, but but also as well. Um, and I say this a lot. I, I came from England. And this country beats England in every single respect, except for one thing. And I think you'll probably like what I'm about to say. Um, here, you can run out of money. You can actually run out of money. You And nobody's giving you money. Mm -hmm. You can be homeless and you can be in serious trouble. If you're in that situation and you get physically sick, Let's not beat about the bush. You can die in this country. Very much. So, you know, whereas you talk about the American dream, and that's very much what I came over for, people actually said to me 25 years ago, if it goes well, it's great, but it could go horribly wrong. The one thing in England is, because obviously it's more of a socialist country, mm -hmm. is the, the poor get housing, they get benefits, the free medical aid. You know, it, there's just more of an awareness than there is in this country. Yeah. And if they do see somebody homeless, and it's still something I fight against myself, is the negative stereotypes that we as a culture push into homeless people and poor people. And, oh, they're just lazy. No, I know poor people, like poor people who work three jobs. Yeah. No, that's it's not that's, a lack of character that makes yeah, you poor. Not at all. But interestingly enough, and we can talk about the psychology behind it, I believe a lot of that is down to the education we get when we're kids. Absolutely. You know, and the difference between rich people and poor people is not money, it's information and education. We're not, we don't get education at school to help us financially. Nothing. No, you know? nothing. But I know what a rhombus is. 
There you go. <laughs> See? I know there the Pythagorean go. theorem. There you go. <laughs> How many times that's pulled me out of the fire? I mean, if I had to <laughs> <laughs> but that's true it's a true comment but, but yeah no there was no i i didn't <clears throat> learn to cook in school i didn't learn any basic survival yeah. skill that you need balance a checkbook i know what a hyperbolic curve is i didn't go. know how to balance a checkbook <laughs> and you know it's funny because part of what i want to do going forward uh, in the next year is I really want to get involved in child education and, and college education and maybe give talks and speeches and, you know, help people out that way. Um, I'm actually going to send you a name. Her name is Cade, K-A-D-E. Um, and she does that exact same thing. Um, she does, does it in Long Island. Wow, I'd love to talk to her. Um, I spoke with her last week and we're going to wind up doing some podcasts together. Um I'll send you her information. I'm hoping to have her on the show very soon, and I'm planning on working with her too. Um, but Cade Abelard, um, but she works and does that exact kind of thing, like teaching high school kids um, yeah. life skills, finance skills, entrepreneurial skills. Right. Um, I mean, that's something that I think you guys could relate very well Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I'd love to talk to her. Um, again, she does it on the other side of the country, but that's nowadays that doesn't matter anymore no it doesn't absolutely but but i'm in the same boat because that's something i eventually want to do too and i was so happy i connected with her right uh because eventually i want to teach because nobody taught me any of this and it's not even about the education to me it's about people not self-educating at a certain point that's true you know, well, it's my my father. I remember growing up, and I love my father. But he he was a very very smart guy, intellectually smart, mm-hmm. but terrible at business. Absolutely terrible at business. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the amount of companies he formed that went bankrupt, and and we were you know moving from house to house to avoid it. So the thing is that intelligence is very different from knowledge of how the system works. And And it's not even knowledge for knowledge sake. I know people who are super, super smart. Um, But if you know too much, it becomes paralyzing. There you go. You're right. That's That's the biggest issue I see primarily across the country is the smartest people I know are trying to do everything at once. Um, They're trying to put everything in place all at one time. And if, like that's something that I've seen, like people who are doing so- every social media channel at once. Why not learn <laughs> one and move forward? That's me. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about your social media for a second then. That, that's a good pivot point. Okay. So um, <clears throat> first of all, let's talk about the issues that I face. Um, credit repair, as you probably know, or maybe you don't, is a very, very competitive industry. Mm-hmm. So to stand out in it is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I do it or the way that I've done it so far, which I feel may be not as potent as it could be, is exactly what you say. We use LinkedIn. We use Facebook. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Uh, we use, sorry, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and what's the other one? I think that's about um, YouTube. 
You, yeah, YouTube, yeah, Insta, YouTube video. What, uh, you, you're not on uh, TikTok yet, I figured. No, but but we're looking at TikTok for business. <laughs> okay. So so let, let's kind of backtrack off that because credit repair is such a competitive field. Yeah. Let, let's start with your ideal customer avatar. Who do you want to work with? Well, there are two. Again, this is where it gets kind of confusing. There are actually two components to it because. I do credit repair for individuals, and I also do business credit. Okay. So that's two different types of profile. Yeah. The, the business profile, the business credit profile, is somebody probably who started their own business, small business, and probably wants to get funding, doesn't have too good a credit score and wants to learn about business credit so you can fund your company without using your personal credit score. Okay. So that is our ideal target as far as business credit is concerned. As far as personal credit, this is interesting. So the biggest user of our services, not our services, but the industry services, are females between the ages of 30 I'm 45. Actually, that uh, kind of makes sense. Really? I, I was amazed when I did the background work to that. So, you know. it, it's kind of the way, it, and I, I wouldn't have assumed it until I knew my wife and her shopping. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but it's easy to let your credit get out of hand $20 at a time. Right. It's tough to like, okay, a $40,000 car, you notice that, but 20, like that death by a thousand cuts gets right. to be the issue. You right. notice the car land on your credit. You, you don't notice the accumulation, right? You know, it's the boiling frog. So if we, if we talk about, now you're saying what you're saying, now let's talk about the marketing piece in general and, and what philosophy we have, or I have. So I think, um, and I'm not afraid to say this, I think that I've totally screwed up my marketing philosophy. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I think I've, I've come at it at a wrong angle. I think the angle that I was trying to promote up until current day is, hey, your credit's in trouble. You need to fix it because if you don't fix it, you're going to have problems especially as COVID gets worse and the lockdown gets worse. That's kind of been the overall message, but I don't like that message. I don't like promoting from a negative standpoint. So moving forward from the start of the year, um, I'm going to change that message to be more inspirational, which is this. Your credit is 500 or whatever. Imagine it was at 700. Let's look at the different lifestyle you can live. Does that make sense? So it's Yes, not, it does. So appeal to hope it is opposed because all people are moving away from pain. There you go. You got you there. You got it. So instead of saying to people, hey, you've been a naughty boy, I'm going to slap your hand, your credit's bad. It's like, hey, don't put your head in the sand because you can have so much more of a different life if you improved your credit. Okay. So I, I'm I might even tweak that even further go from it. a marketing standpoint. So you're you're kind of handling it assuming their credit's bad. Mm -hmm. That's true. From a, like, from a compassionate standpoint, you have right. to diagnose it first. Yes, that's true. Um, 
they may assume their credit's bad, but I had, and knowing this from the ground level, because I sold cars for a few years. Okay. My credit is great. It's at 550. Right. I've heard that phrase <laughs> multiple times. There's a couple of fives in there. So yeah, hey, go for it. Really? Yeah, I have heard people like, or like, oh, like thinking like, oh, it's out of 500, right? No, no, it's not. Not, not at all. Um, <laughs> the problem that you face is kind of twofold. One, like we talked about, education. Right. Most people don't understand how painful a bad credit score can be. Right. And I know because as a car salesman, I've sold, I sold people cars with a 19% interest rate. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. You, you know, and, and I know what that can do because I've seen it to family and friends. Right. They may not see that as a problem. They're just happy they got the car. Right. You're right. Um, that, so they don't understand how damaging, what, and it's so selling by Neil Rackham. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's been selling. Actually, I've got a, I can see it. I can see a copy of it. Yes. Okay. So what you're doing is the first two steps situation problem. Right. We need to talk about the implications and then the need payoffs. So with your marketing strategy, you're, you've got right now you're doing implication questions. Yeah. January, you're planning on going, you need payoff questions. Right. You need both. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I think we need to tweak it where you have a little bit of, if they're moving away from pain and towards pleasure, we have to address that. We have to address the entire journey. Well, just, just so you know, if we talk about our process, mm-hmm. um, you see an advert for Compassionate Credit Repair and you call us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first thing obviously I do is I want to have some idea of your background, where your issues may or may not be. Mm-hmm. But if you called us, I would not commit to taking you on as a client Good. because this is what we do. The next step is um, the client, the potential client signs up for credit monitoring, which has nothing to do with us, ironically. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is it gives us access to their credit report. Yeah. So once we get the credit report, We get them on the phone in a Zoom meeting and we do a complete audit and a breakdown of their credit report because showing people your credit report is just a waste of time. They don't know how it works, what's going on. So we simplify the whole process. It takes us about 24 hours to do it. And then I talk to the client. Now, ironically, and I wish I had a copy of this in front of me, ironically, when it talks about when I do one of the emails, the welcoming emails, Mm -hmm. it talks about... Uh, the difference between buying a, a Honda uh, with a 540 credit score and a 702. Mm-hmm. So if you take it over five years, it works out the 502 will be paying something like $14,000 more in interest over the term of the loan. Yeah. And once they see that, then they begin to understand it. But we need to un- get them to start understanding – The biggest problem you have with coaching in general is that people are not willing to change until they hit rock bottom. That's true. That's the biggest problem every coaching company faces is without that rock bottom, without that, okay, everything needs to change immediately. They won't make a move even to do the initial phone call with you. 
Okay, can I, sorry, I, I hate to interrupt. I know it's really bad and I, I want to hear more from you than from me, but I just want to add one more component that, that will give you a better understanding. So uh, there are two methods in which I acquire customers. The yeah. first method is the method we just outlined through social media, etc. But the other method is affiliates. Good. So I work very hard with affiliates, like, funnily enough, like car car salesmen. Th- that, like, that's when I was wanting to make sure you have those close relationships. Absolutely. That's- Absolutely. And that's the point. Hey, you know what? And you know who else, funnily enough, really like me is there's a couple of Harley Davidson uh, dealerships around here that love me to death. Yeah. You know, that basically clients have come in, they want the Harley, the FICO doesn't fit, they give them to me, bing, bang, boom, they get them back. So I just wanted to add that bit, by the way. So, so that is, I always believe you need a couple of lines in the water. And that was something I did want to talk to you about as soon as you said that you came Sorry. here with no sphere of influence. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I wanted to, but I'm glad you're doing it because now I don't really need to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's not, if you're doing that well, the only thing I would want to make sure that you have is a system and a process to stay in front of them on a regular basis. Um, how often are you reaching out to these, say, dealerships? Um, not often enough, to be honest okay. with you. I'm um, doing more of a, like, and this is where I'm, I'm a little bit naive. I'm doing, like, a, a one-stop visit. Mm-hmm. And I'm visiting so many dealerships that by the time I'm visiting them all, I don't get back to the ones I've already visited. And okay. you're right. I need to, to tighten that up a lot. So 80-20 rule. Yeah. Boil it down to the 20% that you think would make the most difference for you. Find the ones that have the most foot traffic. If you need to sit in a parking lot across the street and count cars on a Saturday afternoon, do it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like that. But you need to know who has the most turnover and who's moving the most metal. And and unfortunately, COVID is kind of putting a bit of a blinker on all of this at the moment. Absolutely. And companies like Carvana and all of that too. Um, But I don't think it's ever... at least in the near future, that's not going to go away. Right. Um, it's the easiest sale for you to make is when they're told no for something that they really exactly. want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is something you need to do and you could start working on in the very short term. And that I think is the first, literally spend a day, like plan it out. And you count cars each hour. Like you go to a different dealership or half hour. How many cars pulled in and left? It's a great idea. And just watch. Now, what's what? Just out of curiosity, what are the? Because I don't know this, and I've never worked in the car industry. What are the busy? Do they have generically busy days? Saturday is the busiest. By far, Saturday is the busiest day. Um, When I was working, it kind of trickled throughout the day. Like the afternoon wound up being a little slower. Like it was. But you could literally take three Saturdays. I got you. you. You you get a list of ten places. I like it. You go for a half hour each. I like it. And you count. I like it. Yeah, you you go and that's just your mar- three days of market research. Right. And you go a half hour, like you go one through ten, then you do ten through one the next Saturday. That right. way you could get rid of it, and then you kind of scramble them the third Saturday. No, I like it. I like it. It's a great idea. Thank you. I definitely. Then like when it. you see the three that wind up getting, and honestly, you'll notice the dealerships, the top ones get a lot more traffic. Wow. 
Um, we were a mid-range dealership. We sold about 150 cars a month. We had competitors who did over 500. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's new and used. Used cars are typically the ones you're going to need to do. Then what you do is you show up every month with coffee. Yeah. You learn everybody's coffee order and you show up one o'clock in the afternoon with Starbucks. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. I like it. But you need to focus 80, 20 rule. What's the 20% of them rather than stopping? Hey, I could help your customers. And then they never see you again. I got you. I got you. That's zero cost to you. I like that. Yeah, no, I like that very much. That's a great idea. Then you could do something even further. Once you get a really good relationship, what you can do is actually post up there on a Saturday. Right. I got you. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. Because they're going to have people who just don't get through. Okay. So can I just give you another add-on? I, I know I'm in a million different places, which is why speaking to you is good because you bring me down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but carrying on on the affiliate strategy and carrying on about what I was saying about how I'm going to change come the new year, let's take this a step further with both car dealers and realtors. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me give you an example of a realtor I'm working with. So when I say I, I have them as affiliates, it's not just a case of saying, hey, if you get a client who wants a house and they don't have the right FICO, send them to me. That's the obvious. But I approached it from a slightly different angle. I said to a couple of realtors, look, let's work out a strategy together in tandem mm-hmm. where we can market what are the rules to buying a house. What's the average cost? What are you going to need? Where's your credit going to be? Let's do this together. And the few realtors I've approached really love that concept. So that's the field I'm working in now is real estate coaching. Oh, really? Cool. Yes. Um, So that is something provided you have the right value behind it. And the same thing we talked about, you have to find the people who do the most deals. Go on Zillow. Find people who get the most volumes and primarily work with buyers. Yeah. If they work with listings, they're no good to you. (laughs) Yeah, I got that. Yeah, it's buyers. That's true. That's a very good point. Um, Okay. In in Southern California, though, it's slightly different, which is where I am. I'm in LA because the area that I live, the average house value here is just under a million dollars. Yep. So, but there are outlining areas such as like the, well, I'm working with a realtor from Diamond Bar. His average house is 350000 That's where I need to be, not the million dollar market, but the three. I, I actually disagree with you on that. Really? Million dollar really? people don't know how to manage their money either. Yeah, that's true. That's I know true. plenty of high, I, I know doctors who have gone bankrupt. Yeah, no, I know. That's true. That's a great point. You know, um, the idea for you is volume more than anything else. Volume and they have to be buyer heavy. If you look for anybody who has a team, because the way most agents structure their team is they're the listing agent, and then they hire two or three agents underneath them as buyer's agents. Okay. Where do you live, live, by the way? I I live out of uh, Connecticut. Okay, because uh, we have a spare bedroom here, and you and your wife can come and live here, and, <laughs> and we'll do this together, brother. <laughs> but that's great. No, you're very, you're on the ball. Love yeah. it, love it. You're right. So, 
make sure or you find you start looking to people who are um, Zillow premier advertisers. Do it soon because Zillow is going to change in the near future. So Zillow premier. Yeah, the Zillow premier agents. They pay Zillow for buyer leads effectively. Oh, really? Yes. And those will be my best guys, you think? That's going to be and the people you see the most often. Wow. Those are the ones that are probably overloaded with buyers. Right. Got you. You know, um, if they're overloaded with buyers, that means they probably talk to a bunch of people who aren't qualified yet. Right. And that's that's exactly my thought. See, if you remember, I told you the story of what happened in 2008 yep. to me. So obviously, because I'm in finance and I follow the housing market very keenly, my belief, and it's just my belief, I could be wrong, I believe we're heading for another collapse. I really do. It's well overdue. It's usually a, a seven-year turnaround, which they call Shemitah in the in the technical terms. I, it's just my belief. Okay. So if I'm right, if I'm right, what a great opportunity this is. Think about it. Because now what I'm saying to people is, hey, if you want to buy a house, don't buy it just yet. Mm-hmm. Let's work out a plan over five or six months to get your credit right, your money right, your, everything else right. And then you can buy a house at the bottom of value if the market does go down. My thing is, and I'm a little bit more boots on the ground. Okay, go for it. So I understand where you see that housing is ready to collapse because I see a lot of the bubble indicators in terms of price going up and up and up and up and up, just like it did before the 2008, 2009 crash. Uh, I, I, like one of my favorite, like I'm Michael Lewis, Big Short. I love that book. I'm, I'm uh, assuming you've read that one as well. Have you seen the movie? I love the film, but the book goes so much more into detail. Yeah, like, yeah, I love I the movie too. Yeah, it's exactly right. They bet it against the market. Yeah, yes. correct. But the issue is all bubbles and all markets fu- uh, function based on supply and demand. Mm. So you've heard buyer's market, seller's market in real estate all the time. Sure. There's um, kind of a tipping point, and we, it's six months of inventory. Ah. So if it's below six months of inventory, so let's say the, your area, they sell 150 homes a month on average. Right. If there are only 450 like, homes on the market, you have three months of inventory. Right, got you. Ah, If there's 900, then you have six and so on and so forth. That's an interesting measurement. Okay, that makes sense. Six months is kind of the tipping point that I always say. So if we have over six months, it's a buyer's market. Under six months, it's a seller's market. Okay. Right now, nationwide, we have about a month and a half in most markets. Wow. Yes. So Ah. this is not a bubble. This is a function of having zero inventory. It's interesting. Well, uh, probably because people are indecisive. They don't know what to do. Is now the time to sell or will I get the best price? Yeah, it, it, I'm guessing. The only thing is that if you add to that the Federal Reserve, um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they can't stay at this interest rate. For much no, no, they cannot they stay at this interest rate. Yeah. I, I've been calling for them to raise interest rates pretty much since like 2012, 2013. Right. Um, we can't yeah. keep having this free money out there, but it's still a function of the supply demand in housing that's true um will other things be hurt absolutely (laughs) um but housing i don't see it i I agree with the seven year there's like the recessions every seven years Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's going to happen from housing 
Well, the, the, usually the indicators financially are, if we are headed for a recession, the first two things to go are the commercial uh, marketplace. Well, commercial real estate is different. Yes, commercial real estate, first, I agree. Then, uh, then uh, normal houses, individual yeah. Commercial real estate, I definitely agree with right now. Um, honestly, I'd probably wait three, four months and then start buying. Be- right. But only if you have a hold strategy for four or five years. Right. And that's where the credit education comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can rope in uh, high-level realtors to join in the marketing of this particular topic. Exactly. So as you can see, I'm trying to build it up to more like uh, an aspirational, this could be your dream mm-hmm. if you fix your credit, rather than uh, you're a bad person for having bad credit. No, that, then that's not the right way to go anyway, right. um, because that, people shut down at that point. Yeah, exactly. Like y- you need to, you know, you have to give them the battlefield. You have to tell them what everything looks like. But right. if you start insulting them and it's like, it's not going to work that way. Right. No, you're absolutely right. But there again, see, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this, but 700 credit, say 720, mm-hmm. gives you access to about, or it gave me access to, when I had it, and now I'm higher than 720, about $130,000 mm-hmm. of credit at 0% interest. Really? Yeah, that's why. See, it's amazing why people don't even know this. No. I, I Believe me, I didn't even have to apply for credit cards. People were calling me. Once you hit that level, it, it's a different world. Absolutely. I, 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 and I've seen that. Right. It, it absolutely is different. And, and also, I mean, there are travel bonuses. You know, my wife always, when my wife talks to female clients, she'll always tell them how Costco can pay for credit repair. And they Costco don't also, like, just for a side note, Costco is one of the best places to go if you're looking to buy a new car. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. They have a that lot of deals with. You know I never even thought of that. Yeah, um, like not only travel deals, but new cars. They they do a lot too, and I know this because I sold cars and I got started cussing like a mad sailor as soon as somebody came in with a Costco printout. Wow! Because I would make no money on those. Yeah, that's interesting. How could do you think it'd be possible to to get hold of Costco and talk to them about it? But uh, uh, for you, I. No. For you, I don't want you aiming that big yet. Okay. Okay. There are plenty of boots on, like, simple things to do. I love how ambitious you are, but we need to style down the scope of anything right now. And that's my problem. I'm I'm thinking, you're right, I'm thinking in a million different directions. And that's common. That's almost every entrepreneur I talk to. Really? Yeah. It is common. Very, oh, very, common. <laughs> very, very common. Very, very common. Most um, entrepreneurs, if you're familiar with the DISC profiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. High D, high I. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's Those true. are the ones. So it's task, go, 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 go. And then they're good at talking with people. Right, yeah. If you don't have a task, you create a task for yourself. Like rather than slowing down to think about things. Right, exactly. exactly. You're working harder, not smarter. But you, but you know, when you when you get to the point where you've got so many good ideas and they're all floating in That's the air, the discipline, right? And then it's a question of bring it, reining them all in, and strategizing which way to move forward with the best concept. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where I am now. The best companies out there, they know to good ideas. 
the best companies out there say no to great ideas. Mm, That's where you have to get. Apple could make 15 different kinds of iPhone. They don't. Yeah, that's true. They could have laptops in every size, every color, like across the board. Right. They have MacBook. They have iPhone. They have iPad. Do you know who's a good example of that? Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, go for it. If you talk about the best example, do you have In and Out over there? Oh, we don't, but I know In and Out. But In and Out in Vegas before. Example of exactly what you're talking about. They do a, a burger and a double double. And that's it. You well, get, you know. to, to think even McDonald's, right. you don't need to make the best burger. That's McDonald's true. burgers are gross to me. They and are. I'm not saying it because like, I'm, <laughs> oh, that's fatty. It's disgusting. True. No, it just doesn't have the flavor. But it's the marketing and the concept of I've got to have a McDonald's. Well, what Mar- what Facebook, uh, what not Facebook, what a McDonald's sells is consistency. It's um, not a burger. It's consistency. Right. That's another great film, by the way. If you talk about oh yeah, the, the the founder, love it, love yeah, it. That that with um yeah, that was a really good one too. With Batman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we so you think consistency is really the key to the marketing message. Yeah, and that's right now you're trying to do so much at once, you're making it impossible for yourself to be Thank consistent. You. Thank you. How, how how well you know me? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I've done so in my like real estate coaching job. What I do is I talk to realtors day in, day out. I spoke to, I did 60 different Zoom calls last month alone with real estate agents. Yes. Wow. So this is the kind of thing I do, but it's just real estate focused. I take apart the companies, I rebuild them. Cool. So it's just a slight different turn, but it's just what I've learned to do. I'm very lucky in that I'm a very technical, hands-on person. Yeah, you are lucky. I'm like I spend all my time the battery's dead, but like <laughs> I'm like I'm in my workshop. I take things apart, I put them back together. I've taken the transmission and re-put it in my like put a new transmission in my truck last year. Oh, I've wow. built two-bedroom apartments. I've redone roofs. I've done anything with a hammer or a wrench. I've pretty much done it. Once you understand how things fit together, it gets so much easier. Yeah, I could imagine. The problem is you're looking at the whole car. You're not looking at the water pump. That's true. You're right. So let's look at another version. Let's look at another part of the car. Okay, so social media. Okay. So here's the thing. At the end of the day, social media to me, I don't care what it is. I just use it to generate leads. That's it. That's that's the goal. Mm -hmm. Generate leads physical people that I can talk to. So um, I'm uh, having been a CEO and having, I'm an old dude and having dealt with, I'm a people person. So, you know, I can sell a deal if I'm talking to a person or whatever, how strong am I technically? I know my way around every kind of social media, but when it comes to marketing expertise, I'm an idiot. I know nothing about nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm faced with three different options. And this is where, if you ask me my biggest struggle, this is what they are. Okay. So my game plan is to generate leads. And there are a couple of ways in which I can do that. Number one, run an ad on a paid ad on Facebook or LinkedIn mm-hmm. that leads to a landing page. 
landing page will then get them to fill in the name and blah, 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 and it'll give me the lead. Okay, yes. option one. Option number two, which for a while caught my fancy and I'd still like to do this, although I'm not sure, is um, I'm a big believer in automation. I think automation makes life wonderful. I also believe that you can make money while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And automation helps you do this. So one of the things I've thought about is advertising for people to attend a webinar. Mm-hmm. The webinar would run throughout the day. I wouldn't have to be there. It would be pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Landing page, funnels, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And the third option, which we are using, is organic traffic, obviously. We've got our own literature and ads and things, and things that we paste as well. So I'm struggling as to which way is the most effective for us. And bear in mind, because I'm naive, mm-hmm. I am like the prey to millions of wolves on the internet, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to build me a funnel. Everybody wants to work for me for free until I need time. But you know, you know how it goes. Yes. And the problem is, you know what they say, the easiest person to sell to is a salesperson. And I'm that sucker. I'm the sucker that listens to it and goes, wow, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'll buy that. And I'll buy that. And I'll buy that. And at the end of the day, it's all been a waste. So I just don't know. It's just the what the biggest issue I have as an entrepreneur is being indecisive. That's my biggest issue. Mm-hmm. I'm second guessing myself. And I'm not sure which way is the best way to move forward, to be quite frank with you, in terms of marketing. Okay. So you're looking at the whole car again when you're thinking of funnels and automation. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. That's a great point. You're right. Okay. Yeah, um, you do – automation is the goal. Right. It's not something you do day one. Okay. Got you. Your goal day one has to be traffic. Right. Once you have traffic, then you can start like tweaking things. But you you have to break it down from traffic to funnel to conversion. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, but it's an important question. So you mentioned the word traffic. Mm-hmm. Traffic to where? To the website? To my fa- where? Where are we talking about? And just you can do something with any of them. Right. Okay. The idea is to get eyeballs. Yeah, absolutely. You're in a lot of different directions right now with Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Find one and devote yourself to it. Okay, so we mentioned like Facebook group, Facebook um, individual page, Instagram, YouTube. um, That's four. If you cut it down to one, that's 25%. We talked about the 80-20 rule. That's pretty much right there. The only thing is, sorry, again, again, Mm -hmm. it's terrible to interrupt you and your flow. Um, uh, Just so you know, we use Hootsuite. Do you know Hootsuite? I've heard of them. I haven't used them myself. Okay. That's why we're on so many different media. So we'll make a video or we'll make a post or whatever, put it in Hootsuite, and it populates every single – there you go. I just mentioned Hootsuite. Hey, I want an affiliate fee, Hootsuite. (laughs) So that works really well, but focus on one of them. Okay. So who would you recommend? Which one would you start? If your target is females 35 to 45, Instagram. Instagram, really? 
Instagram is probably 25 to 35 is probably the demographic I would put in. Um, But Instagram is much more. You think of the influencers. Right. There are more Instagram influencers than there are on Facebook. So the people who are on Instagram are actively selling these women coffee scrubs. I got you. And they're ruining their credit $20 a time. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't there a, and forgive me again, I might be naive. Isn't there a a link between Facebook and Instagram? In other words, Um, like Facebook owns Instagram. Ah, Um, A lot of the stories, um, but usually people have their preferred platform. Got you. There are very few people who like they sit down at a doctor's waiting room and they scroll through both. You can't scroll through both simultaneously. They go to one more regularly. So you would start with this. That's interesting. I would do. Yes, because Instagram is the most product focused. Ah. And because it's product focused, again, your consumers have bought that. Again, coffee scrub. Got you. And they get they get sold the same way you do, just not for B2B products. They get sold for right. um, like direct consumer stuff. Right. Okay. If you figure that out, you start getting the traffic. You start getting the followers. Once you have X number of eyeballs every day, now you start figuring out the landing page. You figure out the next step okay, the landing page, how well is it converting? And you figure that out until you optimize it as best you can. Right. And you give yourself, say, a week to figure out the landing page. Okay, got you. Then you do the webinars. I love webinars. I like the ideas of webinars. I do like the idea of webinars. But you're going to have to do them yourself over and over and over again first. Okay, and, and that's no problem because, you know, as I said, having built a number of companies and I've trained a lot of people, you know, and kind of maybe not as good as you, but Zoom is no problem to me yeah. or doing a presentation. But I get it. You're right. Um, the one I really that I've used um, for webinars that I think has worked really well, I haven't done them for automated webinars, um, was a webinar jam. Webinar jam. Yes. Um, I've used that before because you can put the pop-ups up at the same time and Uh people can like jump in. Like on Zoom, you don't have that, especially if you have a bunch of people on Zoom. Oh, interesting. So Webinar Jam is one I like, but you want to do it two or three times a day for at least a week. Right. Or or like two or three times, like over and over and over and over again. So you got the rhythm and the feeling. I get it. I get it. Well, no, what you do is you check percentages. Oh, right. Which ones convert? What are the three speeches that got the best? Okay, got you. They're probably going to be towards the tail end. You'll start figuring out what works really well. Then you take the three that you did that were really good, and then you test those against each other. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. But that's how you figure out that one step at a time. Step one, traffic. Step two, landing page, conversion page. Step three, webinar. Sorry, I'm taking notes while you that, That's, yeah. <laughs> but okay. you're going, so let's say you're doing the ads for the webinar. Let's say you do two webinars a week. 
that's probably a good pace because you're going to want some time to promote it and get the traffic to like join on. Okay. You do those two webinars, just mini models. Like you don't want to spend a ton of money to start these, but you want to try it and see what works and what converts people, what sells. Right. Got you. Then Ah. you scale it up with more money. Then you scale it up. But I'm talking $50 promotion ish. What do you, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on outsourcing in general? If you don't mind me asking. I'm a big fan of it. Right. Yeah. Um, As I tell real estate agents this all the time, you get to pick the headache you want. Right. (laughs) That's true. You don't get to live without them. You get to pick them. Um, One headache has the opportunity to go away. If you outsource and they are completely there to do your job, then you don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is sign the check. Hmm. So let me, let me ask you again, given, given my situation, mm-hmm. not you, you, you're far further down the technology path. Mm-hmm. But given my situation. Well, just to correct you on that, I've only been on Facebook two years. Really? I am not that much farther down the technology. Everything I've learned about technology has been less than two years. Wow. Yes. Really? I'm I'm a blue collar guy. Wow. I am not I am not like a swami of tech. I'm not as I understand the marketing <laughs> principles behind them. I understand the broad wow. strokes behind it, but okay. I'm not going to tell you I have 10,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> I just started my Instagram two no, years ago, but right. So, so the question arises when these people approach you and say, "Hey, I can build funnels for you. I can automate all this." And I've had multiple offers, and some have accepted, and they have turned out terribly. Mm-hmm. How would you decipher which way to go along that route? You don't yet. Uh-huh. You do okay. it the old-fashioned way first. You find out what works for you and for your customers first. Right. They can offer some insight and say, okay, well, I've seen this work better. I've seen that work better. Right. But you need to know something that works first. Hmm. Otherwise, you can't have an intelligent conversation. Otherwise, they're just selling you something that, oh, everything's going to be magical. No, you need to know how the sausage is made first. Right. And that's true. And I, I listen, I'm no different to a lot of people. You know, you start a company, you want it to be successful on day one. You want to make $10 million on day one. I, I one, of the, one of the things I have to learn is patience. And, and that can kill me if I don't learn it quickly. And well, right. again, that's the high DI personalities. Mm-hmm. It's common. Very, very common. How do you how do you how do you get that skill in particular? What do you mean, like the idea of like which skill are you talking about? I'm talking about the skill of just sort of calming down and saying, "Don't look at the entire car. Look at the engine or look at the steering wheel, and then let's work on that and work our way outwards." By messing a lot of things up. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Quite frankly, like by trying to fix everything at once and it going to shit. Yeah, no, that's very true. That is very true. Also, I'm in a unique position as a salesperson. I'm a full-blown introvert. Okay, yeah. I know it's like a lot of people don't believe me when I say that because- No, I I get it. I'm similar. I'm similar. I get it. But I'm able to turn off and think for hours on end. Wow. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, I can, one of my, like I'll go for a drive and think for 90 minutes. 
Wow. Like I'll start listening to an audiobook, I wind up pausing it and talk to myself for a half hour, turn it back on till another it's a great skill. Yeah. But that's what I'm able to do. That's my that's Kyle Kinane, if you know I, I don't know if you follow comedy at all. Uh, no, no, no. So he he's he explains comedy as it's like, yeah, this is just a personality quirk that I'm trying to make some money off of. That's all he said. It's like, <laughs> hey, that was a great told uh, joke you told at the party the other night. That's great. Give me 20 bucks. Like that's right. what stand-up comedy is. Right. I am an isolated introvert national, like naturally speaking. Right. So this is nothing more than me leveraging that personality quirk. It's interesting. That's very interesting. But but I was well. I, I was I, well. I, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I go to parties and I don't talk at all. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a people person. But if I need to use those skills, I do have them in my arm. But I, I, I'm not necessarily a people person at all. So, but the thing with introverts, it's not that you're not a people person. Everybody is a people person. Everybody needs that social interaction. They've proven that in almost every psychological study there is. The question is, everybody needs a certain volume of social interaction. Right. Extroverts like a puddle. (laughs) Introverts like a well. Much fewer, like much fewer conversations, but much deeper. Right. Conversations like this. I get it. I get it. No, absolutely. An extrovert can walk around the party and just shake hands and kiss babies all day. I can't. You're right. I need, if me and you were talking about, well, what's the weather in Southern California like? Yeah, 76 (laughs) and sunny the way it always is. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Now you sound like my mother in England. That's the best question she asked. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, I just. How'd you like the game last night? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm not saying I don't love sports. I love sports, okay. but like, I don't want to talk about it for a half hour. I want sports yeah. to turn off. I know. I get it. Like, it's, a bit like the, it's a bit like the how you doing thing. When I first came over to this country and someone said, how are you doing? I, it freaked me out. Yes. Yeah. In England, you never, you would no. never talk to someone you don't know and say, how are you doing? It, it, uh, it's just this call and response. We might as well have a string on our back. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly the same. Like, if you legitimately ask, how are you doing to anyone other than your wife? <laughs> like, you, like, if you ask your wife, how are you doing? You'll get an answer, typically yeah. speaking. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Yeah, you're right. You're I'm, like, I some people that is, it up because... all in one piece. Because if you truly gave an answer to that, nobody would be bothered listening to the answer. They'd have marched off. They'd have moved on with their lives. Like, that's like a good, like, thing, like a funny thing to do is next time somebody asks you, you just lay down on the couch. It's like, oh, I guess it all starts when when I was 13. (laughs) That's funny, man. That's really funny. But, like, you can't legitimately, to the point where, I think that's part of the reason back to the mental health. We have so many issues in this country right? because true. we don't know how to legitimately answer that question because nobody's asked it to us authentically before. Right. That's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. But that's the sort of society we're in, you know, I Absolutely. mean, I just, you know, it's funny you talk about Instagram because, um, who was it? I can't remember. One of the, uh, and we're at fault for this. We are the home of the Kardashians. Who the <laughs> so, yeah, hey, you bet. We, we own up. 
So I was just reading an article the other day about Kourtney Kardashian, who, who says... My sympathies. Yeah. And don't yeah. subject yourself so I didn't to that. Have to it, but she said that face masks, wearing a face mask during COVID can give you cancer. This is what she said. I'm just telling you what she said. Okay. And, and, the, and the article said, uh, Kourtney Kardashian, who has over 10 million Instagram followers. <laughs> I'm thinking, what does she do? I, I don't get it. But this is the world it, we live just, in. There's people who are just professionally famous. Right, yeah. That, that's is, all they are, is they're just professionally famous. But sadly, this is the world that we live in. Now, if you were to tell me that a famous surgeon or a doctor or a preacher or somebody who developed the world at 10 million followers, that I can get behind. Yeah, but yeah. it's... But, but that's the field that we're battling in at the moment. Well, but back to, like, on the sales front, you have to understand it. People are not rational. They are emotional. That's true. true. We we put on this guise that we're logical, but I did a podcast not long ago. I explained all like the way the brain works and I explained it as a burrito because Mm. that's the analogy that makes the most sense. In the middle of our brain is the limbic system. Now, that's what covers um, emotions. It covers memories. It covers like that's where our amygdala is, where all the adrenal responses like our panic, like reflective all in the middle chaos beans meat cheese all that craziness all that mess <laughs> in yeah I got you. the outside of the brain like the prefrontal cortex the um parietal lobe the um occipital lobe these cover logic mathematics mm-hmm. language and vision and like like responses like tactile tactile responses. tactile responses so our brain is literally wrapped in logic the problem is the brain stem goes right into the middle of the burrito <laughs> So every action we take, and it's the right way to do it from an evolutionary like perspective. If you're afraid of the tiger, you need to run. You don't need to think what, okay, what's the Latin name for that tiger? <laughs> Left foot, right foot, repeat. Beautifully put. You're absolutely right. But in our modern world, it's backfiring on us because we are emotional and at the expense of the logical. That's true. That is right. So because they like Courtney Kardashian, they're willing to forego the logic because that prefrontal cortex, that occipital lobe. Yeah, you're right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. You're right. And if if Courtney Kardashian said she's pooping, I don't know, gold, then people would believe her because they like Courtney Kardashian. You're right. That's exactly correct. For me, I'll never (laughs) understand it. It's It's not because she's branded so well. Mm-hmm. It's the brand. It's the Kardashian yeah. brand. Yes. Yeah. But the idea is, hey, you could be like us. You just, you know, like, we're just normal people. No, you're not. <laughs> like, it's something that, like, it feels accessible, but it isn't quite, like, I, I don't get it. But, see, my emotional my emotional security blanket is that I'm a logical person. Right. Like see, no, I try to take as much pride in that. So when I fight against it, it's, well. yeah. but you see now, so let me give you an example of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's a woman who, uh, I say she's a woman, actually, she's a fairly young girl, about 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has her own YouTube channel doing makeup 
and credit repair. Which, of course, is naturally goes, yeah, you're looking yeah. puzzled. You think there's just one of them? <laughs> well, there but, are thousands of them. But, but here's yeah. the thing. So I watched one of her videos where she broke down a certain aspect of credit repair. Mm -hmm. And it was a 10-minute video. And I have to tell you, for 10 minutes, she spoke the biggest pile of crap and dung I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. This woman has 440,000 followers. And what scared me is, not, not so much as a big number, how many people are listening to her and taking her advice? Because seriously, she gave such bad advice. You could, you could go into bankruptcy if you follow what yeah. she says. Well, I think what we learned here is that you need to learn how to put on some eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah, but are we talking about, see, now here's another thing. Are we talking about getting the popular vote or are we talking about getting the educational vote, the right person, or, or do I want to be Mr. Popular? No, you don't. Um, I don't believe in growing. I'm not a fan of growing massive, massive businesses. I want a business that like excites me. Right. I, um, I want something that has an emotional meaning that has a purpose behind it. I got you. If I don't feel like I'm helping people anymore, I don't want it to be this massive unorthodox thing anymore. Like I'd rather have something a little more close knit. Interesting. You know, um, it's just a personal philosophy. You know, I mean, you know who follows that philosophy? Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins only has about six people working for him. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, he turns over millions and millions of dollars. So mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. But I, I want my business to be to consist of diehard followers. I'm not concerned with numbers. Interesting. Okay. I, I I'd rather have ten people listen to this podcast and love every like ten people than a hundred people who like they're subscribed but they don't listen to it. That's awesome. You know, somebody said somebody said if you're starting a business or growing a business, the first thing you should do is go on your Facebook page and get rid of everybody on it and start all over again. Well, that's like um, Russell Brunson su uh, suggests that. Start all yeah. over again with your Dream 100. Those are the only oh. people you see. You go on social media for 15 minutes a day. You comment. You try to connect with them, and that's it. What do you think of that? that as a, as a like it or not? I could go both ways on that. Um, it's more about a personal choice. Some people like social media because it helps them recharge. Extroverts, especially. Like it's a, almost a mental health tool for them because they're able to stay connected to people in their lives. Interesting. Especially in times like today when, you know, they can't go see their parents because their parents are at risk. Right. Your, your wife, who has the autoimmune disorders, yeah. she's been locked down completely. Yep. She may have had a very close relationship with a niece, let's say, who can't come see her. That's true. And so social media is a good outlet. Yeah, that's a good it, it can be when used the right way. Right. I get you. Um, I don't. So should your personal and, and the next question, should your personal profile have aspects of your business in it or should they be completely separate? So my I, I know you, you need both. Okay. Good. The right. acronym I learned when I was doing sales. So because I'm not good at small talk, I learned techniques to make small talk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. That's how much of a nerd I was. I actually looked into it. 
the technique that I've learned that I've come to love, it's called, it's a, an acronym called FORDS, F-O-R-D-S. Okay. Family yeah. and friends, occupation, recreation, dreams, school, and sports. Ah, <laughs> clever. <laughs> and so, if you tell me that's what you sold as a car salesman, that would be a perfect circle. Well, well, no, I did Nissans for whatever reason, but it's just where I landed. But, but when I did that and I did it because of car sales, because I'd be on a 20 minute drive with them and there's only so much you could talk about the car. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Or, or, or we'd have to sit down and like, we're waiting for the manager to come back with numbers and we'd have to just it's either I sit there in silence or I come up with something, <laughs> but that's the acronym that I've always stuck by for when I have to make small talk, family, friends, occupation, recreation, dreams, school, and sports. Interesting. Occupation is 20%. Interesting. You you notice that? Yeah. Notice that number keeps showing up over and over and over again. Yeah, Yeah, I did. So you need to have a personal, an attractive, like the attractive character that Russell Brunson labeled. Ah, Interesting. So, and the way you do that is you talk about your wife, you talk about how she's helping people with mental health struggles, with physical health struggles. Um, You talk about what you guys are doing when you're locked into the house. You just set up a shuffleboard court in the hallway, whatever you did. (laughs) Right. I got you. You know, um, you talk about what you're trying to build, how you want to help people. You talk about the schools you went to, the sports you like, like you do all of that. And then you say, you know what? I also do credit repair. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Now, let, actually, again, this is a critical bit where I want your opinion. Let's talk about the YouTube channel. For mm-hmm. So I've only got a couple of videos in there. The, the first video told my story in, in full about how I became homeless and the credit repair. And then there's a, a couple of videos that actually talk about how to get collections off credit repair, you know, just credit repair stuff. So I said to my wife last night, I want to rebrand that YouTube channel. Okay. And I want to rebrand it calling it something like uh, your perfect life, your perfect credit score, or something like that, where I'm talking about exactly what I said at the beginning. Hey, you want to buy this dream house? Let's talk to a realtor. Let's see what you need. I mean, would you do that and mix that in with videos of my dog, say? YouTube is a little bit different. You want to show personality, but it's more the, that one I see is more informational. Um, it's not, that one's not quite a reality show. It's more of a talk show. Okay, got you, got you, got you. Um, Do you believe in YouTube to promote business? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I love YouTube. Um, but to kind of talk about the funnel direction, again, YouTube winds up being closer to the end of the funnel. Right. These are people yeah. who are already interested. These are people, YouTube is just like the webinar. Right, I got you. That's you, interesting. You have yeah, to I get, get them to that point first. Right. And and what I was trying to get to, and you talk about funnels and landing pages and stuff, is I just thought of the shortest point between two distances. Mm -hmm. So then I'm thinking, well, do I need funnels? Maybe I just need a freaking landing page or an ad. I don't know. And that's where it gets a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. And for coaching, I mean, I don't know how much you charge for coaching, Um, but it's tough to get people, especially in bad credit situations to decide like, yeah, I need to spend $3,000. Yeah. No, I'm not that expensive. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. You're right. right. I agree with you. 
but to do a $50 courses, $100 courses, like to do it that way a well, little exactly bit. The, sorry, the I should have told you the cost is including credit monitoring, which, by the way, we have no part of. By law, you've got to give it to a third party. So the total cost uh, is $125 a month. Okay. But $25 of that goes to credit monitoring. So if you're asking how much do we charge, we charge $100 a month. Okay. And and what we do is we remove uh, and we educate, et cetera, et cetera. So that, okay. that's what it is. So at that point, that's not an expensive part of a funnel, but you may want things to start in terms of, like I said, free webinars, free PDFs, free, you, you know, um, of, you know, $25 initial consult. That's what you're going to have to charge for the initial credit report anyway, right. the credit monitoring anyway. That's true. Actually, that's very true. So it's a zero cost acquisition at that point for you. That's very that's very interesting. I didn't I didn't ever think it that way. See, when we started, and this is ironic as well, we started with uh, free customers mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure that all the systems worked. And I wanted to improve people's credit, and they would act as uh, our advertisements. You know, when when we'd actually done everything, blah blah blah. And actually, the free people proved to be the biggest nightmare I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Get as them salesman, right. Yeah. As soon as you put the word free in there, it leads to freaking nightmares. It really does. So, and that $25 is going to give you two different things. One, it's a low cost commitment. So it's a great entry point to the funnel to actually give you the opportunity to sell. I like that. Yeah. But two, first money, first money is always harder to get than second money. Ah, interesting. So if, if, hey, you decided that you're going to, I know now is not quite the same time, but you decided to go to the concert, but guess what? The, the seats four rows up are only $10 more. Right, I got you. That's yeah. good, yeah, right. I got you. You're right. You're you know, right. hey, you just bought a car. How about a $4,000 warranty? Right, yeah, got you. No, that's a great point. That is a great point. But if you could get them comfortable, the toughest part of any sales transaction is collecting credit card information. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's when it has to be the most seamless because as soon as something there goes wrong, they don't trust you anymore. I got you. You're right. Um, If you can show them and they make that cognitive step that they trust you, it's a lot easier to sell them coaching now. It's a much higher conversion rate. I agree. I agree. So obviously, I mean, we've talked about so many things. We've covered so many areas. Okay. So here's what's what's the strategy moving forward? Give me the top. So in the next month, you you work on the affiliates because those are going to be zero cost for you. Um, You spend the Saturday and you start scaping, like scoping out the dealerships that you think are going to be the best. And during the week, you find the realtors. Ah, that's clever. Yes. Realtors during the week. Okay. And on the weekend when there's the most, and you could also like some dealerships are open Sundays, you might be able to go Sundays. The only thing is, and and the car dealerships I've visited, I've visited during the week. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that it's been easier to speak to the manager or the finance manager or whoever. But now yeah. you're not trying to do that yet. No, that's true. Now uh, you're trying to see what their traffic is like. Right. 
because you're going to it's basically a second shadow funnel behind what they're doing. You're trying to piggyback on their advertising dollars. Got you. You're right. And those are the people you want to start with is the ones who advertise the heaviest. How would I find that out? Any idea? Okay. So car dealerships, what jingles do you know? Uh, keys at well <laughs> you don't have keys down there but yeah you're right so but those are the ones the right. dealerships that spend the most money like they were always on the radio right got you um i get the like some dealerships on like pandora ads all the time go to the ones that are spending money on advertising that is interesting Yes, because if they're doing that, they have enough surplus money because for whatever reason, people think like you can't spend marketing money until you get customers, which is crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. You're right. Yeah, but right. if you find the ones like like around here, we have one like your bottom line is a county line, like those tag phrases that you know. You're, you, you know, if your car doesn't say Napoli on it, you paid too much. <laughs> right okay that's like, like if you know those taglines that's because they spent that's a ton of money advertising right, doesn't have to be scientific ah, interesting saturday and sundays for the next two or three weeks you scope and you okay. count and you tally mark got you then you narrow it down to three or four and now you're a fly on the wall once a week right got you you show up with coffee and say, hey, okay, or you do four of them. Right. First Saturday of the month, second Saturday of the month, third Saturday of the month, fourth Saturday of the month. Bring it right. I got it. You know, um, those are ways you can do that. But you have to start deciding who knows your customers the best. That's interesting. Don't try every dealership. Focus on four. Interesting. All right. Same thing with any other places. Offer to stay in the, like, if the Harley place gets a ton of traffic like that, do the Harley place. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. But you need to start tracking what the traffic is first. First step one is traffic. Got you. Then you start building those relationships. So that's got to be the objective for the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. Don't focus on internet. Do what you're doing now with internet. Don't change that yet. (laughs) Okay. Um, Have you ever read the four disciplines of execution? No. Okay. Um, I can't remember who did it. I know it's an Irish last name. It's Mick something, but I can't remember what the (laughs) name is right now. Four disciplines of execution. Yep. Four disciplines of execution. It's like John McGinnis. I think Sean Covey is involved too. Oh, he is? Yeah. Um, But it's multiple authors on it. (laughs) You can only do one thing at a time. Right. Step one is work on your affiliate deals. Make sure that line, like make sure that that line is pulling up fish. After two or three months, that one should be, you you should be almost on autopilot with that. Now you switch your attention back to social media. Uh Mm -hmm. Now step one is traffic. That's that's how we do things then is you figure out the platform. Again, personally, I'd go Instagram. Interesting. You know, um, Facebook just tends to skew older. Yeah. And if your target demographic, 30 to 45 year old females, that's that more aligns with Insta. Interesting. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. 
How long, then, did take, how long did it take you to really get to navigate Instagram yourself? Because i got to be honest with you. I mean, I really, I'm really. It, it's not my expertise right now. I'll, I'll be point blank and honest. It's not one that I'm no, like the back of my hand yet. It's the one I'm the most active on now to, in order to figure it out. Okay. Got you. Um, <laughs> there's, if you know, um, founder magazine. Yeah. Okay. So Nathan Chan, I believe, I know it's Chan. I believe his first name is Nathan. Um, he just did a webinar. Um, he, he's, he has his own webinar funnel, um, for Instagram coaching. Interesting. Um, he did a webinar I, I listened to on my way into work the other day. Wow. Um, but there's lots of tools that you could start doing that, but I think we start with the old school. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't need, you don't need people all over the country sending you people. You need four or five good lead sources. And, and it's interesting that you say that because again, my strategy is we're in Southern California. I want to work outwards. So it makes sense to keep as local as I can. And then mm-hmm. when I'm building well, up, I'm so think about it in terms of marketing costs. Well, let me ask this. Are you subject to the 15 mile rule with uh, Facebook because you're a financial service? No, what's the 15 mile? Okay, so with um, loans, um, mortgages, um, real estate, Facebook last August put a rule in place where you can't advertise to an area smaller than a 15 mile radius. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's based on HUD rules. It says it's discriminatory. Um, that's why I said go to Zillow soon with real estate agents mm-hmm. because Zillow is probably going to change in the near future. Okay. Um, because, yeah. yeah, because HUD ruled that um, like targeting specific zip codes could be seen kind of like redlining. Right. Um, that it can be seen as like, hey, you're targeting only white people, only black people, only Asian people, whatever. Um so because of that, they said you, the smallest area you can target is a 15-mile radius. Huh. For you in LA, that probably consists of 10 million people. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. Now, right. if it costs you in a, from a marketing dollar perspective, a penny per engagement for 10 million people, huh. you see where my head's going. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you have to niche down. Right. I get it. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, focus on the areas that work the best for you. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I, I will say, don't be like put off by the dollar value of real estate. People with bad credit live everywhere. Yeah, no, that's true. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, they, they could have knocked on your door two, two months before you became homeless. Yeah, that's true. That's a hundred percent correct. You're you right. Know? Um, but you still want to figure out your people. Yeah. Try to narrow it down to say 30, 40,000. Interesting. Like that's the market you really want to be in control of. Right. Niche marketing. Yes. Then we could start building from there, but you need to get that down first. So what what did you said? Brentwood, I want to say. Yeah. Okay. So Brentwood. Yeah, that's where that's where you focus. You become the credit king of Brentwood. <laughs> no, it makes sense. No, it makes right? sense. And then you start building. Okay, then you start bringing in little towns around there, right? Got one that. at a time. Huh. 
but don't you, you can't do a nationwide marketing budget where you are now it makes zero okay. sense for you so i got it hey man I've, you've been awesome you really yeah. have been awesome honestly I, i'm glad i'm glad i was able to help like kind of point you towards a, a few yeah, things yeah. that i think sounds like i narrowed it down a little bit for you you, you narrowed down a lot and you gave me some great ideas and some great focus i really do appreciate that absolutely yeah. So um, if anybody is interested in credit repair, they want to reach out to you, they want to get something going. I know I talked about LA, but obviously you could help anybody in the US. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do do the whole, the whole country. Yeah. Um, well, the website is www.compassionatecreditrepair.com. And our phone number is 888-720-7000. And if you forget the last bit, 3426, it actually stands for FICO. So our phone number is 888-720-FICO. <laughs> so I'm, I've always been curious about those. Just as a quick note, was it like you got the phone number and then you tried to make it spell something? Or do you have to like find no, no, we went, extra service well, for that phone number? Yeah, sorry. I, I uh, oh, sorry about that. I, uh. The screen is a bit locked. No, I went, uh, I wanted FICO. So there were a couple of things we could have done. And I said to my wife, find out if that FICO was available. And it was. So that's how we got it. So we were lucky. We were lucky. We're the only ones using FICO in the phone number. Yeah, because I'm, if anything, I'm moving away from phones, but that's just me. (laughs) Because again, I'm an introvert and I don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. Believe me. I I really do. But yeah. So it's 888-702-3426. And you can look out the website and, and go from there. All right. But it was awesome having you on. Like, I loved this discussion, how in-depth it was, that we kind of took care of your, like, squirrel wrangling a bit. You did. You absolutely did. Yeah. I really. We need to do this on a regular basis. I want you to call me back with bigger problems. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that, that's what I want you to do. That will be my goal, believe yes, me. Yes. I want okay. you to call me back with bigger problems. I do. I guess. But it was so great having you on. Um, Once again, everybody, this has been the Broken Salespeople podcast. Um, I'm with Steve Super. This is Red Staffstrom telling you guys to go out there and go fix yourself.